Welcome to the KICC Malawi podcast. We pray that you'll be encouraged with the message today. Once again in God's house this morning. And uh, I'm of joy to see you here today. I believe the Lord will speak a word to us. And I pray that you have a notebook and you have a pen so that you can write as many scriptures as you can. And uh, we welcome all those that are worshiping with us for the first time. We we'll do a proper welcome right at the end of the service. Then I request you to come and take some seats in front so that we can pray for you. Amen. But we continue with our series. I think I may stop here for now. We'll see what happens next Sunday. Maybe if we should call to next Sunday, we'll see. Um, but we've been talking about taking over. I think next Sunday is the last Sunday in January, right? Right? Okay, let's finish next Sunday then. We're going to do taking over part five next Sunday. Today we'll, we are doing part four. We started with part one. What was part one about? It was taking over part one, but what was the subtitle? God's faithfulness. Number two. What is part two? God owns everything. Number three. The cost of disobedience. Amen. Today we want to talk about God's unending mercy. God's unending mercy. So we saw God's faithfulness to the children of Israel. We saw that he owns everything. Um, which is our part two, and why he made the promises to them. And uh, last week, we saw that after they disobeyed, it, uh, it did cost them quite a lot. And uh, today we are in that state that we are looking at today, and I just want to talk about the unending mercy of God. And then next week, we'll look at uh, the last part of this. So that now we can begin to uh, take this word, bring it down uh, into things that we can apply and do in this uh, uh, year 2022. But uh, at the very beginning of this year, I've been laying a foundation of things that we need to make sure that we do so that things go well with us in this year. Amen. So today we, are, we, we go back to Joshua 21, verse 43 to 45. But before we do, let us just pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let your word come with clarity this morning that your people will understand, that they'll be able to apply it in their lives and let your word bear fruit in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's go to Joshua 21. We are going to read verse 43 to 45. And then I'll do a quick recap. The promise fulfilled. Verse 43, Joshua chapter 21. 
So the Lord gave to Israel all the land of uh, all the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. And not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Not a word failed of all of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel all came to pass. Amen. And uh, I have said that Basically, this is a fulfillment of uh, the promise that God had made to Abraham about 800 years before this. And uh, it just shows the character of God. We have said that the character of God is that God is trustworthy. God is dependable. God is reliable. He does what he says he will do. And when he makes a promise, he keeps his word. And I've been saying, as the Lord has spoken to us in this year, he will prove himself trustworthy in our lives. And we can trust him that he is a reliable God and that he does what he says he's going to do. And the promises that God has made to us, he is going to keep his word. And we have seen that God's dealings with Israel started with an unconditional promise and a covenant that God made to Abraham, which carried on to Isaac and Jacob. We have seen those promises in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 to 3, verse 7 of Genesis chapter 12, verse 13 of Genesis chapter 13, in Genesis chapter 17, verse 8, in Genesis 26, verse 3, when he now is speaking to Isaac, after Isaac was considering of going to Egypt because things were very hard in the land. And then later on, we see that in Genesis chapter 28, verse 13, and eventually in Genesis chapter 35, verse 12. But in Genesis chapter 35, verse 10, God changes the name of Jacob to Israel as we know it today. Amen. And we have seen that nothing really forced God to give them the land. And, uh, and there was nothing about Israel that required them to be given the land. Just like us, there is absolutely nothing. When, when we look at the way we fell and see that God still loves us, it should make you wonder about God. Because, because how many times have you felt God? How many times have you said, God, if you just do this, you will see what I will do. And two minutes later, he is going this way, we are going that way. And he still continues to show us his mercy. I, can, I, I look back into 2021, towards the end of 2021, when the rain seemed like they were not going to come. Even those that don't care about God, everybody said, we need to pray. The rains should come. The rains should come. And then the rains came. Thank you very much for praying the rains. We'll meet again next year when we, if, we, if the rains delay. But, but the Lord we serve is a God 
who keeps to his word. Amen. And I love it in Genesis 35 verse 10 when God renames Jacob and calls him Israel. And, and I just want to say that sometimes we look at our lives, what is going on in our lives. We think that things are going to be like that forever. But God can change our life. God can change, God can change our situations. He, he did it in the life of, in the life of uh, Jacob. He did it in the life of, of Moses. But things were really, really hard. We saw last week in Numbers 34, verse 1 to 15, the boundaries of the land that God had given to them. And we compared it with the present occupation uh, that right now they are occupying a very small piece of that land. And even the small piece of land which they occupy today is again in the condition. There are a lot of people that are saying this is still part of our land when it is not. Now it's interesting because God had given them a warning that if they did not obey the law fully, he would scatter them out of the land. But he would do to them what he had intended to do to their, to their enemies. And uh, we know exactly what happened because we saw last week in Judges chapter 21, verse 25, the Bible says, In those days there was no king in Israel, Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And we, and, and we concluded that if you, if you are in a situation whereby everybody wants to be a leader, there's going to be chaos. Uh, there can only be one leader at a time in any group of people. There can only be one president at a time. There can only be one husband at a time, by the way. I don't know if you know that. If you're married, there can only be one husband. You are wife, the other one is husband. And the other one is wife, and the other one is husband. So, so, and, and also, if you are a child, there can only be one father and one mother in the house and only at one time. You cannot begin to behave as if you are a mother. You are a child. Hallelujah. Because the challenge that we have is that there is danger. When a situation like this rises up in a family, when a situation like this rises up in a church, when a situation like this rises up in a nation, when... Everybody begins to do what is right in their own eyes. There is a lot of chaos. There is no order. And actually, you can pray as much as you want to pray. Your family is not going to progress. Have you heard what I'm saying? If, if husband and wife don't agree on what needs to be done, and, and wife thinks they want to go that way, and husband thinks, I want to do this way. And it's so funny what happens, because... Both of us, husband and wife, we wish the family well. I really don't think there's a husband who wishes his their family that their family should suffer. Apart from the, maybe the generation of our fathers who told us, I suffered, you will suffer. <laughs> but, 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 I, but I think the truth of the matter is every husband wants the family to progress. The wife also wants the family to progress. But interestingly, interestingly, even those of you seated here in church this morning, the wife is doing their own thing and the husband is doing their own thing. The wife is investing there, the, the husband is investing there. Why don't you put the money together and do one investment at a time and put all your energies in that one thing instead of everybody doing what they think is right? 
Why can't you just be humble and go like, oh yeah, my idea also looks great. Your idea also looks great. And the Bible says in Ephesians, we should submit one to one another out of reverence for Christ. So even though at this point in time, it looks like my idea hasn't won the day, let's go by your idea. Now, when the idea go wrong, don't begin to say, no, you see, I told you. Uh-uh. Hallelujah. But, but in any place, there is power in unity. So from today, if there are things that you're trying to do and the wife is saying, no, in Ndibangazagud, and the husband says, in Ndibangazagud, please, can you just grow up, behave, and do one thing? We want to see you progress. Because we feel bad that you're not progressing. No, it, it pains when you see people not progressing. And others catch the very same word. And they begin to progress. And you who hear that word week in, week out. You go like me. We are going to do our own thing. May God have mercy. Hallelujah. I hope, I hope you have heard what I'm saying. Amen. So let, 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 let there not be a situation. Whereby everybody begins to do what is right in their own eyes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In, when you go actually to the book of Zechariah chapter 7, verse 8 to 14, it says disobedience led them into captivity. When you read Zechariah chapter 7, verse 8 to 14. It says because God spoke to them and they decided to disobey and God led them into captivity. Hallelujah. Now we saw last week that God began to raise judges. God began to raise kings. God began to raise prophets. Some of the kings were evil. Some of the kings were good. But God began to raise these ones up to bring the people back to himself. And what I have seen is that in any generation, no matter how people become wicked, no matter how people go away from the presence of the Lord, the Lord will always raise up somebody, will always raise up a group of people to try to bring the people back to himself. Hallelujah. And, and the Bible says, David, aside all his mistakes and failures as a man, God calls him a man after his own heart. And the same applies to you. No matter the mistakes, no matter the failures you have encountered on this journey of life, it is very possible that if you decide today and say, Lord, I am going to pursue you, you can become a woman or a man after God's own heart. Hallelujah. It's, it's very, very possible. Now, as you carry on, you begin to understand that uh, it was after... King Solomon became king that Israel occupied almost all the land. The land we saw last week. They occupied almost all that land as God had promised uh, until, until the, the land was now divided. The northern kingdom uh, w w went off. The ten tribes went away from the rest. Um, and uh, Jeroboam was made 
king. He was, he was the first king after Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the son of Solomon. He did his own thing and eventually God raised up Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Now, when Jeroboam became king, he, he became afraid. He became very insecure. And he says, if these people continue going to Jerusalem to worship, their hearts may be drawn to Rehoboam, the king, and therefore, he ended up putting up a, a, uh, a, a temple for idols. He, he started the idol worship. So he set up idols, one in Dan, up, up north, and then the other one in Bethel. And he told the people, and he said, okay, these ones are your gods that took you out of the land of Egypt. And eventually, the Bible begins to talk about, but, but, but he did more evil but not more evil than the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. And, and that's how Israel went uh, off uh, into, into captivity. Now, what I would like to say, today I'm going to do a bit of history, but the history I'm going to do today, I'm going to be Luke showing you some verses, and then right at the end I'm going to preach. Is that, does that sound nice? Oh, it doesn't sound nice. Okay. I, I, the reason why I want to do that is that I, today I want us to go out of church and understand that the events that are written or recorded in the Bible are as real as you being alive. Are you alive or not alive? Now, if somebody says you are dead, how, what are you going to say? If somebody says, no, you are not alive, what are you going to say? You're going to say you are lying because I know I'm alive. So what, what I want to do today is I want to show you that these things that are here in the Bible, they are as real as you being alive. Unless you are not alive, then these things are also not true. But whatever is in here, is, it's very, very true. And I want to begin by saying something. The reason why I'm going to show you this, I want to, I want to say this statement. It is very, very possible for you to live a godly life in an ungodly culture. I knew few would say amen. It is very possible for you to live a godly life in an ungodly culture. In a culture that has nothing to do with God, it is very possible for you to live a godly life. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. You should desire to live a godly life even in a nation, even in a land, even at a time when people become so ungodly. Because the world we live in today is becoming more and more and more and more ungodly. But you can make a decision like Joshua and say, choose today whom you will serve. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Or you can say, as for me, I will serve the Lord. It's possible for you to live a godly life in school. Even when everybody in the school is living a godly life. It's possible for you to live a godly life in a college. 
Even when everybody else in that college is living an ungodly life. It's possible for you to live a godly life at work. Even when everybody else in your workplace is living in an ungodly way. It's very possible. It makes a decision. And, and God can raise you as, as a beacon of light in the midst of darkness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a light, is a lamp, and a light is a lamp unto my what? My feet, a light unto my path. And last week I told you, don't just study the Bible for knowledge's sake. But every single day you should be able to say, what is one word I have read today and Lord help me to live this word? You, you just take one word per day. And go like, Lord, today I am going to live this word. I want to practice this word. I want to live this word. I want to live it. And then you take it. And then off you go. So if, the, if, the, if that morning you read and it, it, it said, uh, show kindness to people. You just decide today, I'm going to show kindness to people. And let people say, And he's just doing, and he, he, today is really kind. Hallelujah. So, so that's, that's, that's what we want to talk about today. So, let's go to 2 Kings. Because now the children of Israel have gone against what the Lord has said. And Lord, the Lord is now doing what he said he is going to do to them. This is around what scripture, the scripture we are reading now is happening around, around. It's, I'm not exact about the exact year. Uh, so some of the years, I'll, I'll say around some of them, I am very confident it is a, it's, it's about that time. So this is around 727 BC. So let's go to Second Chronicles, uh, Second Kings, chapter 1529. In 2 Kings, chapter 1529, the Bible says, in the days of Pekah, king of Israel, Tiglath Pleasure, king of Assyria, came and took Ijon, Abelbeth, Makkah, Janoah, Kadesh, Hazo, Gilead, and Galilee. 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 You've heard about the Sea of Galilee? Right. So, all that part, those of you who were in church last week, that part I showed you here is the Sea of Galilee. So now we understand all that part. And he says, all the land of Naphtali. Naphtali was a son of Jacob. So, so you mustn't say Judah, Simeon, Naphtali. All right. All the Benjamin, all those ones. So he says, he took all the land, all the land that belonged to Naphtali. This guy came and took that land and then he says, and he carried them captive to where? Assyria. So he took them away off to Assyria. You find the same thing in First Chronicles chapter 15 verse 26. 
this is the start of the exile of the children of Israel. When God says, I will scatter you, if you do not follow what I am saying, if you do not do what I'm saying, I am going to scatter you. Now the scattering has what? Begun. And as I showed you in Zechariah chapter 7, verse 8 to 14, the Bible says there, it says that their disobedience led them into captivity. Now, when you do not obey what God is saying you should do, God can decide to scatter even the little that you have. Hallelujah. The only reason why sometimes he doesn't scatter is just because he shows, he's showing you mercy. That's why I say the more you understand about grace, the more you avoid sin. We should never take God's grace and God's mercy for granted. For these guys, the scattering started at this point. Now the Jewish people have started being scattered across the world. God says, you didn't obey what I said. Today he says, your word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. You want to live right in this world? Follow God's word. You, cannot, you can't go wrong if you make a decision and say, Lord, I, I want you to grant me the grace to live according to what your word says. And, and I want you to know, the more you are going to face battles, I know. But I know, but what you should know is that your life will be far much, much better than other people. Haven't you seen that you look much nicer than somebody born in the very same year that you were born, and even maybe sometimes years ahead of you, but they are so taken to booze, taken to smoking, you meet them, they look like they were born in 1919. Just you being a Christian, it's an insurance somehow to, to looking nice. You don't, you don't even need to taking some steroids and so that you become white in complexion. No. You look nice just living by God's word. By you living in God's word, you, I want you, you commit yourself to one wife uh, unless something happens. But you know AIDS is not an issue. You know? You know AIDS is not an issue. I'm committed to one wife. I'm committed to one husband. So when people are saying, you say, maybe lesala, maybe committed. Maybe. The things that people are worried about, they are none of your business. But otherwise, your life will be scattered. You'll be scattered and then you come and scatter. Just because you have decided, Lord, your word is not a lamp unto my feet. Your word is not a light unto my path. Me too, I want to do what is right in my own eyes. Proverbs says, there's a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end of it is a way of death. And we can guarantee that that's how you're going to end. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now the land which they needed to occupy, is now being occupied by their enemies. The things that were intended to be yours, are now taken over by other people. Hallelujah. 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 3 to 7. I want you to be writing these scriptures and I want you to go home and read them. 
Second Kings 17, verse 3 to 7, and verse 13 to 15. This is now around 722 BC. And in this time, 722 BC, around that time, Second Kings chapter 17, verse 3 to 7. Verse 3 to 7. It says, I will start from verse 1. In the 12th year of Ahaz, king of Judah, Hoshea, the son of Elah, became king of Israel in Samaria. And he reigned nine years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and not as the king of Israel who were before him. Shamanesa, king of Assyria, came up against him, and Hoshea became his vassal and paid him tribute money. Do you remember when this tribute issue started? When the Bible told us last week, when Israel became strong, in the book of Judah, Judges chapter 2, it says when they became strong, instead of conquering all the tribes that were there before them, they started collecting tribute. Now God says, what I intended to do to them, I'll do to you. So now here it comes, he begins to pay tribute money, verse 4. And king of Assyria uncovered a conspiracy by Hoshea. For he had sent messengers to Saul, king of Egypt, and brought no tribute to the king of Assyria, as he had done year by year. Therefore king of Assyria shut him, shut him up and bound him in prison. Verse 5. Now the king of Assyria went throughout all the land and went up to Samaria and besieged it for three years. In the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria took a Samaria and carried Israel away to Assyria and placed them in Hala and by the harbor, the river of Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes. Verse 7. For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh king of Egypt and they had feared other gods. Verse 13. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all his prophets every seer saying, Turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the law which I commanded your fathers and which I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. Nevertheless, they would not hear, but stiffened their necks like the necks of their fathers who did not believe in the Lord their God. And they rejected his statutes and his covenant that he had made with their fathers and his testimonies which he had testified against them. They followed idols, became idolaters, and went after the nations who were all around them concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. And after that, God, and all the northern Israel, all the ten tribes, off into captivity. Off they went. They survived. Those who survived in the year that at 727 BC, 722 BC, all of them, all of them off to captivity. Now, I want you to begin now to, to say, so who is remaining in the land? Because down south, around Jerusalem, it's only the tribe of Judah and part of the tribe of Benjamin. They are the only ones that are remaining in the land. Everyone else now has gone into captivity. From that point onwards, because of what had happened even earlier on in Judges chapter 2, when they started giving their daughters to somebody to marry, and then somebody else is marrying from there and all that, then the whole confusion. You come today, you meet the children of Israel, and you ask them and say, from which tribe are you? Nobody knows. 
There are a few not. The descendants of Aaron, at least I've met some of the descendants of Aaron. They tell you I came from, from Aaron, which was from the tribe of Levi. But the rest have no clue. And, and then off they go. Isaiah 36 verse 1, 680 BC, the Assyrians come back. And now they attack Judah. Only that which was remaining is now attacked. All the cities are in Judah are destroyed. Only one part is left, Jerusalem. Hallelujah. And, and sometimes I think this is a fool. Because if Job, God says, you, you, do, you touch him everything else apart from his life. Do you, do you know that if God, if, if you decide and say, I'm, Lord, I have nothing to do with you. He can bring hell fire in your life. And only, only spare your life so that at least only your life, you can say, Lord, now finally I believe I'm coming back. He will do everything to bring you back home. And if you can hear the prayers, I pray for you. you now, some of you have been praying and say, Lord, bring them into a crisis. So that they come back to you. Maybe a crisis will make them to realize you love them. So some of you this year, taking over this year. Hey. You better just come back to God right now and begin to live right. Because if not, I am praying that some of you should suffer a crisis of your life. So that you come back to God. If God could do this. When I saw this, I said, oh Lord, you did it. I am your servant. I will pray. These ones, they need to come home. For some people, it's a crisis. In a crisis, everybody believes in God. Everybody remembers they were created by God. Because right now, life is going on well, and you think, eh, we'll see. The Lord has use of your life. I, I told you last week. God has got so much use of your life. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. No has it entered into the heart of man what God wants to do with your life. And the Lord is saying, come home, my son. Obey my commandments. Let's do this together. And you are like, Lord, I don't want. But you know what? The things that God intended that you should do, you have to do. So if it has to take you a crisis to come back to him, we'll pray. Hallelujah. So this year, crisis. No, no, that we want you to suffer. No, 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 no. We want you to do what God intended you to do. Unless you are saying, Lord, I, 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 I'm of no use in the kingdom of God. I'm no use in your house. I'm no, I, my life has no use on planet earth. Then die. It's either you die, we bury, you go home. Hallelujah. But at least go home in the Lord. Then we'll meet you there when we come. Then you leave those of us who want to work. We work. Alright? But everybody, but we need, church, we need. The time is fast spent. Hallelujah. You can live for God. And you know the way it begins? When you begin to live for God, your character begins to show. Your character tells this one, yes, they are struggling here and there, but they are living for God. Number two, your conduct, the way you do things, it begins to show. And, and then when you begin to show your conduct, do you know eventually what happens? You begin to give. You begin to contribute. 
And, 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 and then number four, your conversations, the, the things you say and all that, they begin to show. And number five, the very last one that comes, you begin to bring people to Christ. Now, I got born again on 9th of April, 1990. The person who preached to me is a gentleman called Bright Kawamba who has since gone to be with the Lord. I was a Form 2 student at Box 2. And I had gone to attend a school, uh, student Christian organization of Malawi school conference at Lunzu Secondary School. There I met Christ, 9th April, 1990. Bright Kawamba, that's the only time I met him. When he led me to Christ. He preached, I came to Christ. You know what? I'm very sure when he has gone to heaven, the Lord is saying, one of the young men you led to Christ that day, it's Macduff Pity, and see what he's trying to do in the kingdom of God. There are people you lead to Christ whom you may never meet again in their life, but the seed you have planted, the things they will end up going to do for the kingdom of God, you'll be amazed. I was talking to a brother last week. He told me, you know what? I was young. I was in the village and the Lord was using my life and I led people to Christ. The Lord was using my life mightily. Seven of the young men I led to Christ today are pastors. You meet him today. He looks like Lighton. You cannot believe that somebody like Lighton, God used to raise seven pastors and these seven pastors have churches. He has no single church. The challenge we have is that we believe that, okay, to be used of God, then let's have a church. Let's have a great minister. No, 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 no. It may mean you minister to Charlotte. God takes Charlotte to Kazakhstan. She meets a man from Kazakhstan. She goes there, she plants a church. And things begin to happen in Kazakhstan. The seed you planted... We tell you, planting the lives of young girls, you don't want to do. Planting the lives of young men, you don't want to do. So why are you here? So they went. Then the whole land, they've gone. 608 BC. 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 1 to 34. The Egyptians now came and took King Jehoahaz captive to Egypt. Around 590 BC, God makes a promise of a new covenant through the prophet Jeremiah. You read it in Jeremiah 31, verse 31 to 34, where God says, I will no longer write the law on a piece of tablet. I will write it in their heart. I will write it in their heart. And that's what we are trying to do right now. That your heart, God, God should deal with your heart. Because we know when your heart has changed, your life will change forever. Hallelujah. And, and God says, you have gone away, but I will still show you my mercy. I will still show you my mercy. Hallelujah. 586 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar comes and conquers Judah. And the first temple that was built by Solomon is destroyed. Amen. Now, if you go back and read about the first temple, you'll be amazed. David had wanted to build God a house. And God says, no, 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 your hands are full of blood, but your son who comes after you is the one that's going to build me my house. And that is done by Solomon. 
And this is where you go in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It's nice we quote these scriptures. If my people who are called by my name shall da da da. It happened when Solomon built that vast temple. And when he offered sacrifices and everything else, God spoke and he says, if my people who are called by my name, if my people who are called by my name, shall turn from their wicked ways. Hallelujah. And seek me. Then I will hear from heaven. And I will hear and I will heal their land. And Nebuchadnezzar comes and destroys that temple. And all the Jews are taken into exile into Babylon. Jeremiah 52. Verse 27 to 30. And 2 Kings chapter 24. And 2 Kings chapter 25. So you know. And in hell, what, what amazes me is to say, God, this was your house. God, this was your house, which David had wanted to build for you. And you said, no, let your son build it. And he built it. And you appeared to him in that house of yours. And you said, if my people who are called by my name shall turn from their wicked ways, call upon me, I'll hear from heaven. And I'll hear and I'll heal their land. You spoke in this place. And it comes a time because the people have decided not to do that. And you say, even my house, let it be destroyed. That's why he says, obedience is better than sacrifice. Hallelujah. It's not the things you do for God. That's why even when you don't give, the work of God continues. And sometimes we think, oh, because I give tithe, or because I give offering. There are other pastors. Okay, I'll not say. Let me stop. Because you think you give tithe, because you think you give offering, then you are buying favor from God. No, you are not. No, you are not. Let your mind, tell your mind today and say, this thing which I lie to myself, it's a lie. Hallelujah. 539 BC, Cyrus, the Persian king, conquers Babylon. When he conquers Babylon, King Cyrus, who was not a believer, who was not a Jew, makes a proclamation and he says, let the temple in Jerusalem be built. Let it be rebuilt. Nebuchadnezzar has destroyed it. Cyrus, the Persian king, and by the way, Persia is today Iran. So he rises up Cyrus. Cyrus says, go back. So in Ezra chapter 1, verse 1 to 4, you hear now that Ezra goes back to Jerusalem to go and rebuild the temple. Only a few thousands of the Jews go back to, uh, go back to Jerusalem from exile in Babylon. Others remain behind. And most of them remain scattered in the land. And when I looked at that, I said sometimes you cannot know whom God can use. You, you don't know whom God can use. He uses Cyrus. And I said, you know what? God will not forget his people forever. Some of you walked with God. You used to believe in God. 
You, you were walking with God. And if we can ask you, how the things you did for God, we will even be shocked. Some of us will look like we have never worked for God in our life. Today you just sit, you do nothing. But you know one thing I know? God will not forget his people forever. The things you have done for God's kingdom, he will not forget them. He will not forget them. He is not an unjust God. He is a just God. Hallelujah. So it was during that time he rebuilt, he's busy working on it. When you go in the book of Nehemiah, you eventually find that Ezra is mentioned in Nehemiah and Nehemiah is mentioned. But Nehemiah is only going back to rebuild the what? The wall. The way we are building. So he goes to do that. When he goes there, as they are rebuilding the temple, for about 12 years, they left the temple half-built. So it had reached half-built. I'll give a very good example. When you walk inside this building, there is paint inside, right? There is a ceiling, right? There are lights, right? Okay, go outside. What is outside? Huh? It's not painted. So is this building complete or not complete? Ah, that's exactly what they did. So they built it to half the size. And they left it for 12 years. When they left it for 12 years, God raised a prophet called Zechariah. Zechariah's name means God the Lord who remembers. So he raises up Zechariah. And he, be, uh, he, uh, he, raise, no, he raises up Zechariah. Zechariah begins to prophesy. And he declares to a man called Zerubbabel. Hallelujah. So he talks to Zerubbabel. And he says, Zerubbabel. So he, he challenges Zerubbabel to champion the people. To say, let the people build. Let the people build. And then eventually, and that's when you begin to, to read in Zechariah chapter Chapter 4, verse 6, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Hallelujah. So God begins to speak because now Zerubbabel is raised up to build the second temple in Jerusalem. I live a life, personally, I live a life where I believe I'm not the only one to do this work. I live a life that if I die today, Somebody can rise up among us and KICC can even flourish more than it did in my time. If my time was to lay a foundation, let somebody build the rest. Paul had the same thing. Paul said somebody planted, somebody watered. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. So tell me, um, we are listening, Pastor. And we are hearing you what you are saying. Hallelujah. So Zerubbabel rises up upon that word. And Zerubbabel begins to build. So you find that in Ezra chapter 1 to chapter 6. But then a word is said. It says the temple that was built was a shadow of its former glory. It was not exactly the way it was before. So because it was a shadow, hundreds of years later, King Herod Ended up spending 46 years turning it into a magnificent building. But I want you to see what Jesus said afterwards. About that. 
It's not the beauty of the temple. It's the way that people's hearts are drawn to God. We can build a beautiful fence. We can build a beautiful building. We can, we can put up the structures. I'm looking forward to the cafeteria. The cafeteria, God, I've said, God, the cafeteria, I should appear around. I should eat the first meal at least. I should see it. We'll do the cafeteria. We'll do everything else we want to do in this place. But you know what? We can have amazing buildings. My wife was telling me this morning, you know what, love, what I've started doing is, I've started doing some, if I'm teaching the kids and King's kids, I, I started downloading some videos on YouTube to do with what I'm teaching. So, I think today they're doing a, the Good Samaritan, if I'm not wrong. So, she has a 20-minute video to show the kids after she's finished teaching, and then they're going to watch this. I said, love, this is exactly, if you ask James Makwakwa, if you ask Levin Homer, if you ask Chisomo Giva, if you ask Martin Kalima, if you ask Sungan and Manjowa, I took them one day, I said, guys, when we build the three-story building for the king's kids, this is what I want. I want a screen in front with a projector like this so that when the kids, because I know their lifespan is very short, their, their span attention is very short, then the rest of it, they can do this. Then I said, love, understand me. If even if you ask the adults to concentrate on the marriage course, we have to watch a video. Even if you ask the adults to concentrate on authentic manhood, we have to watch a video. What makes you think the kids don't want to watch a video? If we want to watch a video, 50 years old video. So I said, love, this is exactly what I want to see in classes. In case I'm not around, make sure. My husband said, my husband said that he had a vision that the kids, we needed to put a screen, let the kids watch some really amazing things because if the adults depend on video, the kids need video too. Hallelujah. So Zerubbabel comes and I pray that as Zerubbabel will rise up in our midst. Amen. So around 450 BC, Nehemiah comes back to rebuild the, the wall of Jerusalem. But before we do that, I want to quickly go to Zechariah chapter 8. Let's go there. Zechariah chapter 8. Time is going very fast. I thought I would finish. But wherever I stop, I'll stop there. Then I'll continue next week. I'll finish there then. It's better to talk about God's mercy. In Zechariah chapter 8, let's go. Are you there now? Are you there? I'll wait. Because to me, I think this is a very, very powerful preaching. <laughs> to me. You may see it differently, but at least to me, I think. You are there? Verse 1 of Zechariah chapter 8. It says, Again the word of the Lord of hosts came, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am zealous for Zion with great zeal, with great favor. I am zealous for her. What is Zion? Zion is Jerusalem. Hallelujah. So it says, I am zealous for Jerusalem. I am zealous for Zion with great zeal. And you know what? As you saw next week, now I believe we will not finish. <laughs> so I'll begin to say next week. As you will see next week, the zeal that God has for Jerusalem, the zeal that God has for his people, the Jews, the very same zeal God has for you. It says, I am zealous for her. 
Thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion and I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth, the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Let's go to verse 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the land of the east and from the land of the west. I will bring them back and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. They shall be my people and I will be their God in truth and righteousness. And I want you to know today, God wants to be your God. The way you say the God of Jacob, they can say the God of Tandy. Can you just imagine the people say, this God we are talking about is the God of Tandy, the God of Light, the God of Jesoma. And people are wondering why. Say, hey, the man decided Psalm 119 verse 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. So, so, exactly what God said, I'll bring them back. He begins to bring them back. And God says, I'll do this. 539 BC, he begins to bring them back even though others stay behind. 450 BC, when, when Nehemiah now is rebuilding the wall of, 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 uh, of Jerusalem, they begin to come back. And they slowly, they begin to recover for diso- from desolation. That's why I say, the situation you are going through today will not remain like this forever. If it remains like that forever, then come and ask me. Then I'll go and ask God. He do not be like this forever. He is a God who changes seasons. And in this year, he says, you are taking over. Your season is changing. Things are turning around in your life. Some of you are witnesses. Last year, God, what what was the word that God spoke to us last year? Plenty and progress. Let's be honest today. Haven't some of you seen God in last year? Because I, I know some of you, I, I don't want to but I, but I can speak about you. I know what was going on in your life before last year. And I know what God has done in your life. There are a few people I've said in church, I say, when I see so and so, and see what God has done in their life, I say, to glory be to God. Now, I don't want only a few people. I want many. You can say, Lord, you've done it. God, you've done it. Amen? So he does that. So let's go to Nehemiah chapter 10. Then I will say a few things. Nehemiah chapter 10. Are you there? You're not there? When you're there, you tell me I'm here. You're here? You're listening? You're enjoying the preaching? Amen. Amen. Okay, so in Nehemiah chapter 10, this is happening now. They are finished rebuilding the wall. They are settled in the land. Now, the Bible says, now those who place their seal on the document, because now the people are sealing a covenant with God. Hallelujah. These are descendants of, of I don't know who. Their parents are far, far gone now. So, Now he says, these are the people who sealed the the document. And there's something else very critical there. He says, Nehemiah the governor, son of Hakariah and Zedekiah, Seraiah, Azariah, Jeremiah, Bashu, Amariah, Maokicha. 
These are the kind of verses whereby you say, I'm here, you are wasting my time. What, what has God names to do? I want to see where it says fire, fire, fire. Makicha, makicha, dendanis. Okay? But it says these are the people who seal the covenant. Hatush, Shapanaya, Maluk, Harim, Meremoth, Obadiah, Daniel, Githnethon, Baruch, Meshuram, Abijah, Mejamin, Maziah, Bilgaya, and Shemaiah. These were the priests. The Levites, Yeshua the son of Azania, Binui of the son of Henadad, and Kadmiel. Their brethren, Shebaniah, Hodijah, Kelita, Peliah, Hanan, Mikha, Rehob, Hashabiah, Zaku, Shorabiah, Shebaniah, Hodijah, Bani, and Beninu. Fourteen, the leaders of the people. Now I want you to take note. The leaders of the people, the brethren, the Levites, the priests. Are you taking note of that? Verse 14. The leader of the people, Parosh, Bahath Moab, Elam, Zatu, Bani, Buni, Asgad, Bebai, Adonijah, Bikvai, Adin, Atar, Hezekiah, Azu, Hodijah, Hashum, Bezai, Harif, Anathoth, Nebai, Makpiash, Meshuram, Hezi, Meshazbeo, Zadok, hey Zadok, Jaduya, finally Zadok has appeared, Jaduya, Pelatiah, Hanan, Anaya, Hoshea, Hananiah, Hashub, Halotesh, Puha, Shobek, Rehum, Hashbaniah, Mazaria, Ahija, Hanan, Anan, Marush, Harim, and Baniah. Now, that looks like it's a waste of time, but let's go to verse 29. 28. Now the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the Nethnim, and all who had separated themselves from the peoples of the land to the law of God, their wives, their sons, and their daughters, everyone who had knowledge and understanding. It means your family can live for God. Hallelujah. It means your family can live for God. These are not babies. These are adults who know what they are doing. And they are sealing a covenant with God. Hallelujah. And they had understanding. They had knowledge. Like the knowledge I'm giving you today. These joined with their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law. Which was given by Moses, the servant of God. And to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our God. And his ordinances and his statutes. Listen to verse 30. We would not give our daughters as wives to the peoples of the land. We would not give our daughters to non-believers. We would not allow that our daughters get married to people who do not know God. So Tandi is saying, my kwashe, my kwashe. No Muslim. My question, my question. No non-believer. Apotolande uda kumikamba zandani pamela popo zani kuandishama. Ali na wanga, na wanga. Paribepo zona kuti nkirigasa. Wina wake mwiebu si mhiti, mperezi. Kumatulukila pano. Paribe. 
That means once they are not coaching them say when pastor meets you and when he says are you born again like, hey, praise God praise God praise God I'm really saved praise God even before the pastor says are you saved or not praise God because he has been coached you think you lie to me you pay Hallelujah. You see, that the very first thing, they say this thing when it happened, it led us into captivity. We will not repeat. There must be some things in our lives that we don't repeat. Hallelujah. So they say this and they say, we will not. We will not give our daughters to the peoples of the land. Nor take their daughters for our sons. If the peoples of the land brought wares or any grain to sell on a Sabbath day, we would not buy it from them on the Sabbath or on, an, on a holy day and we would forego the seventh year produce and the exacting of every day. So they're saying, So no, 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 we will not forego the Sabbath. We will go into the house of the Lord. And David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. The reason why some of us take 19 years before we appear again in church is because you really, honest, 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 you have no business with God. You are not sick. Nothing is going on wrong in your life. And you just decide, uh, what time is it? Five to seven. go next week. Crisis. I, honestly, I don't understand. I know, I, I, know, I know the way people behave and I'm a we are and everything else. It's fine. As long as after you face crisis, you come back. Amen? Honestly, I don't understand. Two weeks ago, I told you, you own nothing. Even if you own everything, I want you to know you absolutely own nothing. God owns everything. It's pure God's grace that he has favored you and never ever make a blessing to take you away from God. Hallelujah. So, verse 32. Also, we made our ordinances for ourselves to exact from last week I showed you that this is the seventh year in Israel. After seven years, the land lays fallow. Others are observing, others are not. Those that are observing, the following year they always produce three times as much. I told you last week. 32. Also we made ordinances for ourselves to exact from ourselves yearly one third of a shekel for the service of the house of our God. For the showbread, for the regular grain offering, for the regular burnt offering of the Sabbaths, the new moons, and the set feasts, for the holy things, for the sin offerings, to make atonement for Israel, and all the work of the house of our God. How many offerings are happening here? How many offerings are happening here? Eh? How many offerings do you give in church? You give one and you complain. If I say offering for building, Offering for Sunday. Offering for welfare of pastors. Offering for king's kids. 
you say hey, these days abu sandao mango offering 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 paka mapapa pasando offering do you see what these guys are doing here they give offerings now verse 34 we cast lots among the priests and the levites and the people for the bringing the wood offering into the house of our god according to our fathers houses at the appointed times year by year to burn on the altar of the lord our god as it is written in the law in our days it would be man sabadai no ndiama kwa kwa kukula petrol wa generator sabadai ndiama njolo on top of the offering this week is for the chosen this week is for these ones they are doing it they are bringing wood offering Hallelujah. Verse 35. And we made ordinances to bring the first fruit of our ground and the first fruits of all the trees year by year to the house of the Lord to bring the first born of our sons and our cattle as it is written in the law and the first born of our herds and our flocks to the house of our God to the priests who minister in the house of our God to bring the first fruit of our dough our offerings the fruit for all the kinds of trees the new wine and oil to the priests to the storerooms of the house of our god and to bring the tithes of our land to the levites for the levites should receive the tithes in all our farming communities and the priests the descendants of Aaron shall be with the levites when the levites receive tithes and the levites shall bring up a tenth of the tribes of the tithes to the house of our god to the rooms of the storehouse for the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offering of the grain of the new wine and the oil to the storerooms where the articles of the sanctuary are where the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers are and we will not neglect the house of our God hallelujah we will not neglect the house of our God do you know why God has brought them back into the land. And they're saying this is what happened. If I, I don't want to embarrass anybody else, but to be honest, you've been a believer and to this day you argue about tithe. I feel sorry for you. This guy says no, we'll give tithes. We'll give tithes. Our the tenth of our salary, we're going to give to God. We will not neglect the house of our God. Hallelujah. So even after they did that do you know what happened they still went back there are still others who went whatever so in 333 bc alexander the great was there and he conquered persia and he brought the greek culture and greek thinking and greek language Israel to the Middle East all the time. And when you hear people say say okay, verse really mawawa and Greek. Ama tandhoza jakut jakut. In Hebrew, ama tandhoza jakut jakut. The person who brought in the Greek culture, the Greek thinking, the Greek language into Israel was Alexander the Great. Now, I want to say this. In any society the culture that prevails at the time and what culture does is that it influences the way you dress the way you think the way you do things some of us in church today i'm not i'm not i'm not saying what you're doing is wrong 
But I just want to say, if we can really check some of the things you are doing today, it's because of the influence of culture. I heard Gregory within the week, he says, people think that if they do things against God, that's a rebellion. It's not rebellion. He said, real rebels are the ones who say, the culture says this, we are going to live for God. Those are rebels. Everybody's doing bribery. Everything is doing their own thing. Everybody is going out with somebody's husband and somebody's wife and, and everybody's doing their own thing. And somebody stands out and goes like, I am not going to do that. I am going to live for God. Gregory says those are real rebels. And we need to raise up real rebels in the church. Who rebel against the culture. Who say, no, no, I'm, I, I don't care. We have got our own culture. And our culture is based on the word of God. So in 63 BC, the Romans come and occupy the land of Israel. And Rome becomes the dominant power in the world. And it establishes peace. But they do it through ruthless suppression of any dissent. That's why you begin to hear that when Paul was arrested, he was taken to where? To Rome. When Peter was arrested, he was taken where? To Rome. Now, Because now Rome is controlling all over. And when you go to Caesarea, you actually find the prison where Paul was kept before he was taken over unto the seas. But it's because now Rome is controlling. And to finish... Now, for today, between 37 BC to 4 AD, Herod the Great becomes king in Israel. But he is king which has been set up by the Romans and he owes his allegiance to Rome. And it was during this time that Herod now is busy rebuilding we're busy with many building projects. Some of those building projects, they are still standing to this day. When you go to Caesarea, you actually find a place where, which is Herod's palace. So you, you see them there. So it begins to do all this. And the second temple, the one that we saw that Zerubbabel came in and built and all that. So now Herod now begins to do the temple renovations. And he begins to do that around 18 BC. When he does that, it takes him for eight years, for the six years. And it's completed after his death. And one day, after it is completed, and after Jesus is born, the disciples, like everyone else, is truly impressed with the stonework. And I want us to finish with these verses. Today, that's where we'll stop and I'll continue next week. Let's go to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. In Matthew 24, verse 1 to 2, the Bible says, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. Which temple is this now? The one that Zerubbabel, who started building it, Ezra, Zerubbabel finishes it. Herod 
does the renovations and it's looking what? Great. Are we together? So they come there and he says, and they show him the buildings of the temple. So he says, then Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple and Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. And that was fulfilled in AD 70. Let's go to Mark. Mark. Mark, Mark 13. Mark 13. I just want to show you that prophecies that were in the Bible were fulfilled. A good number of them. Mark chapter 13, verse 1 to 2. Then he, as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answered and said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. I want to finish with two things. Number one, it is said that after a period of 400 years, when God was busy pleading with the children of Israel, and they decided that they have nothing to do with God, God decided to be silent. Until the birth of Christ. In Matthew 1.21, he came to save his people from their sins. And I want to say two things. Number one. This happens in the life of people. People keep on, people who love you. People who love you, they keep on talking to you. My daughter, my son, my husband. Churchmate, my deacon, my want. And, and they talk to you, they keep on talking 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 to you. When you come to the point that, that they conclude, you don't want to hear, you don't want to listen. You've made up your mind to go your own path. People stop. People stop what? Talking. The moment people were busy speaking to you about issues, and those people stop talking to you about those issues, realize things are not well. And if you are wise, change. Hallelujah. Because even God says, I'm not going to strive with you forever. I'm not going to do that. There is a way that seemeth right to a man. But that way is a way of destruction. So there are other people. Even you. You have given up on other people. Where, but, and these days there is now. Because of the culture. So I will use the language of the new culture. The new word in today's culture. It says. Aminoja dinarani. Dinamutsika. Dinamutsika. Dinamutaya. That means they have spoken to you for a long time. And they know you have made up your mind. And they say, I think he has decided he wants to go that path. It's fine. Leave him. 
at that point to realize nchani chimechikwabangitsa kuti akaona izizi kala malankula panoposakulankula what is it that is making them not to say anything when previously when they see this you knew they are going to speak but now they are not saying anything else just realize they have given up and they are saying manakalira nyangaya nsatsi nsemere nfotere if they, this is what he wants to do let him do it let her do it a crisis will come they'll find us so i want to say to some of you some of you in this church will never speak again but when the crisis comes i know you will find me at home at 3 a.m. and the dogs will be barking and the gate will not be opened and you'll be saying pastor Interestingly I put my phone in airplane mode when I'm sleeping you look for me you will not find me because there comes a point in time, somebody's life you need to leave them alone you need to leave them alone let them deal with life what i'm telling you is this word this word is life the last words i want to say herod begins to pay tribute to king to the romans and you find it not just in herod you find it in several kings actually i wrote them down i wrote a few of them down but you find that ahaz was paying tribute ahaz was paying tribute jehoiakim was paying tribute Um uh, there was another king where are they they were all busy paying tribute and as they were paying tribute a thought came into my mind i want to tell you some of these things hezekiah was paying tribute hosea was paying tribute to king shalmaneser the king of syria in second kings chapter 17 verse 3 Jehoiakim was paying tribute Ahaz was paying tribute and it's amazing that Hosea became king after he assassinated King Pekaiah and that is going to be my last two things I want to say there when i read about uh, uh, Hosea assassinating King Pekaiah and him becoming king it's amazing how hosea ended up being taken into exile today you may not assassinate as killing but there's something else that we are not doing very well as a body of christ we do a lot of character assassination if i call light on and i begin to say wow what is happening now that's character assassination because what i want to paint a picture in lighton's mind is about the failures kuipa kwanti naomi and all that it's character assassination and people like that this matter up in my life hallelujah if somebody comes unless they come and tell you something nice listen but if it is something else to pull somebody down 
to bring somebody down, to finish somebody down. It's called character assassination. And you pay attention to that. It doesn't end well. Amen? Let that be your principle in life. Number three. I'm amazed. Hezekiah, Ahaz, Hosea, Jehoiakim, and even King Herod. They become kings. But amazingly, they are slaves in their own land. And even today, we don't need the Assyrians to come and invade us. I believe there's a new kind of invasion. is economic invasion. It breaks my heart when I see my people become sla- becoming slaves in their own land. Not that I hate people, but, I'll, but, but, but it's amazing how somehow the Chinese have become our gods. How Amwenya have become our gods. How, how people who are not of our land have become our, have become our gods. And the way they speak to you, it's as if you don't matter at all. One time I was in a hospital and there was an Asian woman with, I think, a five-year-old boy. And there was a woman of Malawi, Malawian origin who was obviously a nanny. And the baby was misbehaving big time. And this woman was busy running after this kid, running after that. And the woman was old. The, this Asian woman was young. And this old woman was busy running after this kid, running after this kid. And the kid would come and begin to beat her and beat her and beat her. And the mother is just looking at her. And then a thought came up in my, my, my head. And I said, if the mother, if this old man was going to speak to the mother and say, He's beating me. Very likely, that young Asian woman was going to say, Please don't try to run away. And when he's putting that hand, run away. He will, he will break his arm. Let him run on you. You can become a slave in your own life. But when you begin to walk with the Lord, the Lord begins to do things in your life that, that make you realize you're not a slave anymore. And when you look at the, the revelations that have come up these past few weeks, you just begin to discover this country was sold. And we became slaves in our own land. I went to road traffic the other day with a sister here in church. And there was uh, an Asian guy who came. And he was calling the shots. And you could literally see people working in that office. Pizza running around. More or less not paying attention to this guy. And he comes to us and he wants to begin to order us around. I looked at him. More or less like wanting to say, what do you think? But you can become a slave. The moment you disobey God, the moment you do this, you become a slave in your own land. A lot of these things, we bring them upon ourselves. 
but I love it that after 400 years, Jesus Christ And to me, next week, we start from there. And I will show you what God did and what God says he will do. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Be thou glorified and be thou exalted. The Bible is very clear, church, that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Bible says we'll be saved. And this morning, I just want to pray with some people. You know you're not at a place you desire to be with God or you used to be with God and you're saying, Pastor, the word is very clear. You have given us very clear examples and I just want to really, really recommit my life to God. I want the Lord to use me for his glory. I desire, this is my desire, but I just fell all the time. The, but, but the Lord is here. He, this, one of the things he will do this year is that he is going to bring everybody else who's been away from him, he's going to bring them home. And today you're here, you're saying, Pastor, I just want you to pray with me. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I just want you to raise up your hand. I just want to say a prayer for you. You're saying, Lord, Pastor, I just want to really go serious with God this year. Lift up your hand. Just want to see. Bring them down. I want to pray for you. Father, you saw these hands. These are your servants. These are your people. These are people, God, you created as a royal priesthood, a holy nation. A people after God. In Hebrews chapter 2, Lord, you speak and say, What, what, what shall happen to us if we neglect such a great salvation that we have received from God? And these brothers and these sisters of mine, God, all they desire is that you come once again. You minister to them once again. They go once again on a serious path with you and desire to be used of you, oh God. Lord, I pray, use them for your glory. For Lord, they do not know a life which they may touch today, what that life will do to the nations. And I pray in Jesus' name. Even in those moments when they feel like the Lord has left me, has nothing to do with me anymore. God, you would speak to them and say, I will neither leave you nor forsake you. For you are of great use in my kingdom. 
So I pray, Lord, use them for your glory. Let them become stewards in the house of God. Let, let, them, let them save you. Let them reach out to others. But God, as I've said this morning, it starts with character and conduct and contribution and conversations and eventually converts. It's always tough to try to bring people to Christ when the character is not right, when the conduct is not right, when the giving is not right, then when the conversations are not right. So I pray God that you use these ones for your glory. As, as, as we go on taking over and as we continue talking about your unending mercies, the Bible says to us in Lamentations chapter 3, Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies we see. Lord, I pray you show them mercy. You are the God who remembers if Zerubbabel rose up after Zechariah challenged him and said that Zerubbabel shall build this temple. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that everybody in KICC, everyone in this house, will rise up for the kingdom of God. The way you've used the children of Israel to become a metaphor for us. That everything that happened in their life, we can see ourselves in them. And you spoke to them and you said, you are my people. And as we will see next week, you extended that to us, the Gentiles, and said, you are my people. So today we can be called the people of God. Be glorified, be exalted in revelation. You declare and said you have raised us up to become kings and priests in the kingdom of our God. And we pray in Jesus' name that in this year we will live as kings and we will live as priests in the kingdom of our God. Help us to live godly lives in an ungodly culture. Help us to become rebels to the world. But sense the righteous ones, the righteousness of God in the body of Christ. Help us, oh God, to read your word and pick one thing which we can live in that day. Be thou glorified and be thou exalted. Lord, strengthen your people. Let them live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. I hope you've been blessed this morning. Amen. We'll continue next week and uh, we'll see quite a few things about Russia, Poland, Eastern Europe. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Our prayer is that God has spoken to your heart. Be blessed in this week.